one can breathe. Okay, I've realised that because I walk around a lot and everyone knows that, I haven't positioned the camera in the best place because Catherine would be walking all over the place, unfortunately. So, wow, let me catch my breath. It shows how unfit I am, number one. Number two, isn't it just incredible that we're back in the building like this? Like, genuinely, let's, this is, let's take stock of a moment for a second. 18 months it's been. It's been a long time since we've been in the building together where we could worship with one another at our home base. We are the church, obviously, the people, but let's just take stock of a moment that we are back in the building together, family. This is a wonderful thing. Yeah, Vicky, let's, let's celebrate that. Come on, let's, let's, not be, let's not be culturally shy. Let's be Christian about it and, and celebrate with joy that we are once again together as a family. I, I think it's incredible. And so it's a wonderful thing that we're back together as a family, heading into summer, where we get to enjoy a little bit of a different series, but get to enjoy together as a family to be in the same place. I think it's tremendous, not being cautious that the weather's gonna rain us off, but knowing that every Sunday, we're gonna be here. It's exciting. So I hope you're excited as well with me. Um, I, as you can tell, I'm excited. I always need to start my stopwatch um, to make sure that I fit within time. So I'm Jeeves, those who don't know, I have the joy and privilege of, of overseeing the youth work with my wonderful pregnant wife. Uh, I'm gonna be kicking off in this series um, as we enjoy what God's gonna do. We're gonna be diving into series in 1 Samuel called Persistent Power. Let me hear you say Persistent Power. Good, because I'll be honest with you, I can only see your eyes. So either you need to make sure you smile with your eyes so I know you're engaging, or I need to hear you audible. Okay, so that's, that's going to be my two rules here. You need to smile with your eyes. Duck, beautiful smile. Lovely smile by that. Um, and then a bit of interaction as well. So persistent power. Why this topic? And why this title? Why are we looking at this topic entitled during the summer called Persistent Power. Well, I don't know about you, but the last 18 months has taught us many, many, many different lessons. Huge, huge lessons that we've had to learn and go through, recalibrating ourselves once again. Do you remember all that way back in January when we looked at this Reset series, as we looked at the values of the church to recalibrate ourselves as a church once again, to kind of go, this is where we stand theologically. This is what we believe, and this is what it means as we action it out. And as we've been going through this time, we head into a moment where I don't know about you, but as I've learned these lessons, a key lesson I've learned is knowing how to be persistent about God and learning that he's persistent about me. I've had to learn this lesson during lockdown that I've got to be persistent about my faith with God because I can't come to a building together to just enjoy this two hour, well today's one hour service together. I've actually got to be persistent about God, but I've learned and I'm learning that he's persistent about me. One of the reasons why we are calling this series Persistent Power and why we're looking at summer. Why the topic? Well, the story of Samuel is actually incredible. It's really interesting, the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, both of them, but obviously just focusing on kind of first half of one Samuel we're doing the summer, as we see God's persistent about his people, 
and we see his people learn how to be perseverant about God. We're going to go through a journey of different moments of God's divine impartation for cultural change, warning of things that need to stop, provision during times which are painful and then are also struggling, a call for patience for the plan ahead if the plan ahead is not certain. Deja vu by some of the things I'm calling out. I don't know if you're here, but some of the things I'm calling out, we've had to go through. So my prayer is that as we go through the next six weeks looking at this topic, that we will be able to reflect well as a church over this last season before we hit September for a new adventure and chapter to come. Yeah, okay, we might not be, um, we might still be wearing masks, we prayerfully hope that we don't, but still it's a new season that we're heading into from September. So my prayer is during the summer, as you join us on this journey, that we will be reflecting on what God has done previously as we look at his persistent power over us. Is that okay? A bit more audible um, confirmation would be lovely. Is that okay? Yes. Good. Right, we're together. Right, let's dive in. Um, we're going to start looking at 1 Samuel, uh, and I'm going to start by testing your biblical knowledge. Ah, the joy of being in the front again. Um, I have got lollies. Let me just have a dip in my hands. I have got lollies. I'm going to be lobbing out. So if parents or kids want to answer, you are totally okay with that. I will try not to hit anyone square in the head. Um, we're looking at 1 Samuel. Can anyone tell me what is the book just before 1 Samuel? Who said 2 Samuel? You need to learn what after and before means, Matthew Clark. It's not Judges, however, you do get a lolly for that, because that's the book before. Heads, beautiful, what a catch. Um, what's the book between Judges and then something, and then we head into 1 Samuel? Who said Ruth? Lovely, right, heads, everyone be careful. Very good. It is Ruth. So we've got Judges and Ruth. Now what's interesting about this is when it was first written, Samuel came right after, as one book, came after Judges. So if you read it in the way that it is kind of chronologically written, you would have read Judges and then you would have read Samuel. What Ruth is, is a beautiful book about the origins of David. Hint, hint, what's to come. So when you read the end of Judges, you get the context of where we're at, where it says in the last verses, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So you get this moment of Judges. You finish the Judges, and Israel in this cycle of sin, of continuously falling short of the glory of God, sinning, then reflecting, having a judge, bringing them back in. But it ends with that book saying, Everyone did was right in their own eyes. And you're introduced into Samuel, where you see the last judge. Before you see the new king. Made a mistake with Saul, but then you get date. And we're going to be looking through this series, through that journey. We're also going to not be um, holding back punches. We're going to be looking at the Eli's family. We're going to be looking at Saul and the warnings that are there as well. But that's the context. Samuel is, is in a place where there is a need for a king. But let's look at Samuel's origin today in 1 Samuel 1. Okay, 
we are going to be looking at Samuel's family and Hannah in particular. Uh, the kids are they're coming in beautiful. Okay, they can also engage in this. So we're going to have four characters today. And what I'm going to do is I've thought of a Disney character that feels similar to these people. And if you can tell me the film that they're from, I'll lob a lolly at you. Um, right, here we go. Number one. Oh, mate, you might need to press the button for me. Thank you. So we start with Elkanah. What film is this? Well done, Matthew Clark. Uh, not Matthew Clark, Matthew Collins. There you go, mate. Over there. Um, that is more Moana, but for this context, uh, it's Elkanah. This is Samuel's dad. He has two wives. We'll hint back to that in a bit. We then have Panea. Where is this new form? Oh, I don't want to give you another lot of these mercies. Um, <laughs> Olivia, you said Hercules. Oh, lovely. Well done. Excellent. Well done. So this one, Hercules, this is Elkanah's wife, one of them. Okay. She has had uh, a few kids as well. I like calling her Picky Panea. She's a bit sassy in this, in this story. A bit sassy, really, with some of the things that she says to what she believes is her opponent, which we'll come on to, who is Hannah. But she is one of Elka's wife, has some children. Another character we're going to come across is Eli. What film is this? Oh, we're testing the Disney knowledge now. Sword of the Stone. Oh, well done. Okay, I'm going to chuck it to you if you're going to pass over, yeah? Wonderful. Oh, no, I'm not. Great throw by me, you're welcome. Um, so this is, we're going to be looking at Eli. He is the priest that is currently in the priesthood. He is the priest at the temple. We're going to be looking at his sons uh, in two weeks' time, which is such an interesting story. But we've got character Eli, and then of course we finish with Hannah. Anyone can tell me the film. Princess and Nice, very well done. Now this is really testing my skills here, isn't it? Okay, everyone, please duck your heads. I'm gonna try and chuck it as hard as I can. Ready? Here we go! Nice! What well, is G. 10 points, I could be in the English cricket team today. Don't laugh. Um, <laughs> okay, so those are our four characters that we could be looking at. Context of the story. So we've got this family, Elkanah, Panea, and Hannah, all going up to a place called Shiloh where they're going to worship. It's actually part of the meal um, that is an offering, the meal offering, that is written in Leviticus 2. So it's part of the offering that they have to go annually up to Shiloh to be able to worship. On the way, they are given different, I suppose, portions of food that they eat as part of this offering. Now, portions will be delegated per family, members. So Elkanah, and this is why, I believe there's every moment in the Bible where it talks about more than one wife. It doesn't end well. Single guys out there, if you are considering to have more than one wife, number one, don't. Number two, you won't get one. So the biblical model is very clear that any time that this happens, it doesn't work. Right? So he, um, Elkanah has to give more portions to Panea's family and the kids, and one portion to Hannah, who is barren. She has no kids. Now this is where already in the story conflict arises because Panea, Peggy Panea, she then starts making jokes and comments to 
Hannah. Now, it doesn't write what she says, but if we pick up on the character, the sassiness, I imagine it's kind of an eye roll looking at her and be like, oh, you only got one portion, in it? Oh, that's, that's not that good. Like, it's definitely some of those comments are saying, oh, you've only got eaten by yourself, is it? Oh, like, proper eye roll and sassy, everything like that. Hannah doesn't like it. I mean, would you? Every year going up and every year, you are eating by yourself one portion and your, I suppose, spouse's other wife is making comments at you continuously, saying and pointing out how you are barren by being by yourself. It's really hard. Now Elkanah sees this because Hannah breaks down crying in the story that we see. And Elkanah tries to console her in this way. He says, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Dear, oh dear, unemotional man, not fully realising what the root of the problem is. So he's saying to her, am I not enough for you? Without recognising actually what is the cause of her heart's grief. In that time as well, the purpose of marriage, and praise God, it's not the same now, but the purpose of marriage at that time was essentially to have kids. That was it. That was the main point of, of marriage, really, at that time. And if you weren't able to have kids, then you weren't fulfilling your purpose as a wife. And so Hannah is broken by this. And we get in this moment, a story where she goes to the temple and prays this beautiful, heartfelt prayer of, O Lord of hosts, Lord of mighty armies, this protector, come and help me. She makes a prayer to commit a vow to God, saying that she will raise this child, if she was blessed by it, as a Nazarite. Now, what we see as a Nazarite, similarly in Samson, essentially, not to bore everyone, is setting a vow, like being in a, um, a monastery, saying a vow of a way of living. Don't cut your hair, don't drink anything from grapes. It's, it's setting, saying, basically, if you bless me with a child, I'll dedicate his life completely to you. If you bless me with one, I dedicate his life completely to you. What's interesting to know is that Hannah makes this vow on her behalf. God doesn't ask her to do that. Hannah's the one who says, I, I, I make this vow to you. And I'll come back to that in a bit. Hannah keeps praying, but vocally it might not fully come out. So Eli comes and sees her and it's kind of just like, Wow, is she drunk? Like, is she, is she drunk too much? She, what, what's going on here? And it actually slightly points out to what had been happening in the temple. They had probably seen quite a lot of kind of um, bad behaviour and drunkenness happening there. Again, we're going to be looking at that in two weeks' time. But Hannah's response is, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm praying because I'm earnestly praying for the king. What we then have is Eli seeing this heart and he says, I think it's it, um, then says to Hannah, go in peace, the God of Israel grant you petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favour in your eyes. And the woman went her way, ate and her face was no longer sad. What's interesting and wonderful is what she says back, let your servant find favour in your eyes, slightly pun on her name, name Hannah, means to have favour. So she was saying he's the favoured one having favour. That's essentially what she's saying. Lovely. Really helpful. 
after some time of them going back, not that night, after some time, conceive, have Samuel. What do they do? What's, what's really interesting is they make a decision to commit to the vow that Hannah made, to be obedient to what she said. And so Hannah and Samuel went to the temple until he was weaned, i.e. just grew up, grew up so he was able to be sufficient by himself. And then Samuel grew up in the temple. We see this young boy dedicated to the temple. Then after that, we have this beautiful song from Hannah that talks about the power and provision of God. There's a warning about those who are proud and knowing that God has a consistent plan. In fact, in Hannah's song, is the first time that we see the word Messiah used. It's the first time that actually we see the prophetic sign of a Messiah being called out to come. In fact, what we have from Hannah's song there is quoted from Zechariah in John when he talks about Jesus. It's, it's incredible, actually, this moment that Hannah sings this song and how it affects, actually, the journey of the bloodline of Jesus and the call and the work of Jesus and the call back to it. Zechariah and actually Mary's song has influence from Hannah's song as well. Beautiful. What a story. Three key lessons, I believe, that we can take from this that I'm going to try and do quickly. Number one, purpose. It would be difficult for Hannah to see anything more than what she was feeling. Consistently being told that your purpose is to have a baby by another member of their family as well. Consistently said. And yet God does something remarkable even though Hannah's barren. What's lovely is you look at the stories before, God has done that time and time again. Sarah, barren, has a child. Rebecca, barren, has a child. Rachel, barren, has a child. What I'm not saying is that God will always do that, but what's beautiful when you see the lineage of those stories is God uses something that seems to be impossible and uses it for the remarkable. God breaks in into a circumstance that seems to be broken, and yet for his purpose, he does something that seems to be incredible. It's so helpful as a reminder that God genuinely has a purpose over our lives. His glorious plan will be undertaken. It's a helpful reminder for us that even when we might not be feeling it, he has a purpose over our life. God has a purpose over your life. It might not be to be, to be able to be the parent of the next Samuel, but it's still something remarkable that he's going to break into our lives. He has a purpose for your life. You're not by here today by mistake. He has got a purpose for you wherever you go. Let's back that up. Romans 8. Likewise, Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Here's the beautiful thing. It's not your purpose. It's his purpose. 
That's why I can make the claim that there is a purpose of your life. The definition of purpose is not claimed by you, it's claimed by him. That's what's incredible. So even when you feel low, you can hold on to the truth that his purpose will be carried out over your life. Praise God. There was a purpose for this lockdown. His purpose will be carried out. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah? Okay, let's continue. Provision. Hannah had to trust God that he was going to provide in his way. It had to be his way. Her crying of vow didn't sound like this. You do your part, I'll do my part, but until you honour your agreement, I'm going to sit here and suck now. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not like, you do you, and then I'll do me, and then that's fine. No, it was like, no, good. If you do this, I will do this, but I will glorify you still. Her cry was to say, God, you will still be glorified in me, but I pray that you would do this. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not asking God to align to her will, it's her align to God's will. Really important difference. Really important to make sure that we are aligned to God's perfectionate plan in that way. We have to align to his perfection and not to our expectation. Let's back it up. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Famous proverb. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You ain't making his path straight. He's making your path straight. He will provide for you, yes, but we need to make sure we align to his provision, not our expectation. That's so important. Let's go to the last one. Persistence. Key reason why we're calling this series Persistent Power is because we will see this lesson time and time again, more or less in every single Sunday that we look at. It's an incredible example of the family's persistent obedience to God. Elkanah taking his family continuously to the temple, even if the temple was corrupt. Hannah, despite suffering and struggling, going to Shiloh as well, going to the temple and praying, her persistence to continue to pray in the way to glorify God and say, your will be done. When Samuel's born, it would have been fine for them to kind of go, let's just raise him here, and when it's time, then we'll take him, and we'll take him every year to be trained. God didn't ask Hannah to make that vow. But yet she honoured the vow with great obedience to say, this child is dedicated to the Lord. You see the persistent of heart come out time and time again. Hannah's song covers it. Please read this, by the way, because I know we're skipping over quickly and we will be every Sunday. Please read one Samuel. But Hannah's song covers his sentiment, saying, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, which is shown then in her actions. He will guard the feet of the faithful one. So if we're unpersistent, and even if I'm in a fight, he will guard me. Isn't that beautiful? God will guard you. It's true. It, it might not feel like it emotionally all the times, but God will guard you. It's part of it. Therefore, it's something about persevering, 
regardless of the result that we should expect, regardless of the result that occurs, we need to have absolute knowledge that God will be God. And God will be good. Regardless of whatever the result looks like. We need to learn that his glory will be seen and we will be used for his perfection. For him. We just need to learn the lesson to keep on going. I, uh, this is embarrassing, I'll be honest. Like, I'm going to flick it on for a bit and then I'm going to take off. Um, I tried to do Couch to 5K. I've got one picture of it. That's it. Horrible. Write it off. Um, so I tried to do Couch to 5K. And I started. And in week two, I'll be honest with you guys. It was a 90 second, five times, 90 second one, two minute walk. At the end of five times doing it, I was like, okay, I'm done. And then the podcast goes, are you ready for your last one? And I'm like, no. No, I am not. I'm done. And as I finished it, I gen- this is 100% true. I genuinely went to my house. And I was like, Heavenly Father, I feel like Elijah. Take me now. I'm done. I'm so done. I can't run anymore. I feel like death. I'm 28 years old and I can't do 90 seconds of running intervals. Horrible. And though I think it could have been myself, though I pray and believe God was doing something in me in that moment, I was reminded by Finding Nemo, where Dory sings a song of just keep swimming. (laughs) Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. And I felt God just go, just keep going. Just keep going. And I finished the Couch to to 5K. Am I doing it now? No. But every day I've learned to just go for a walk. Now, would I have done that previously? No. I wouldn't have. But in that moment of difficulty, of strife, just keep swimming, just keep going. I had to learn about persistence to just go, you know what, I'm just gonna keep on going and see what happens. Now these walks I'm having at the moment, I'm spending time praying in tongues, those kind of things. I felt closer to God in the mornings than I have ever before, and I believe it's because I started Couch to 5K. It forced me into a habit to just say, let me get up and let me just go. What I'm trying to explain here is actually it's important that sometimes we just keep going. Knowing that God is just keep going for us. Yeah. We all reminded by Romans 5, the classic kind of um, verses of suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. There's also another one on the screen here, 2 Peter, that says something similar. It, not to read it verbatim, but it says faith with virtue. Then virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with persistence, persistence with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. There is a journey we go on that God continues to take us on, one step of maturity to another, to learn how to fall in love with him more as we fall in love with others more, and that journey includes being persistent. It's important we persevere with faith, beloved family. Right, let's land. I think that's it here. We have been in a season where it has felt like drought in many areas. Just take two seconds to reflect. Over the last 18 months, have you experienced droughts? A drought in your life at least once? I know I definitely have. But in those moments, I believe that God isn't distant. I believe that he's near. I believe that there's purpose in what God has taken us through. 
I believe that God is continuing to provide him for us in his perfection. And I think there's a call for us to be persistent in obedience to continue to press in into what God's doing in our lives. I think it's really important. We need to answer the question continuously in our lives to make sure we recognise and know that God is for us. We need to. We can't rely on just coming to a Sunday and this being our battery recharged, then go. Yes, this is helpful to remind ourselves, but I think we've learned that it's a daily thing that we need to remind ourselves about. So lovingly, I have two questions for you. What is your response and reflection of lockdown? Where is it? Where, where was God in that for you? Because he was there. But it's really important that what we don't do is we don't, we don't go next chapter done, right, let's see you later. We must reflect on the season that we've just been in. Notice the lessons that God has been calling us to. And notice the purpose, the provision, and continue the persistence of being obedient for God. Number two, with purpose, provision, and being persistent, where are you on those? Where's your calibration? Can you see God's purpose over your life? If you can't, and if you're struggling, I ask you to go back to Matthew 28, to the Great Commission, because that's the fundamental purpose over you. Go into the world and make disciples. That is the ultimate purpose over your life. Full stop. Make disciples. Can you see God's provision over you? I tell you what, there's been days that I've just gone, you know what, the fact that I've got breath, I am grateful for you, God. Harking back, maybe it's too real, but to when Abby Lester was in hospital. Just one moment of just praying, crying for God. And when she came back home, man, did I dance with joy. Not joking. Just God's provision in that circumstance. And where are you with persistence? Do you see that you need to be persistent about him because he is sure persistent about you? It's not something that we can kind of come to and go away and just dip our toes in. Now you've got to dive in the deep end with him. Do you see what I'm saying? Cool it. Please stand. We're just going to stand and we're just going to pray. Oh man, I'm definitely not going to Oh well. Let's just pray. If you want to put your hands out just as a, as a form of responding, then please do. Yeah, if anything's just landed about purpose, provision, and persistence, just give it to him. As I pray over us now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have a purpose over us individually and a purpose over us corporately, as a church, as a family. You have a purpose for Hope Church Seven Oaks, and I am so grateful for that. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have provided so well for us. Even at times where it feels like a drought, even at times where we have felt, felt spiritually barren, God, you are always there. That is not the case. You are always working and you are providing well. And God, I ask that our response as a relational members of this family would be to be persistent about obedience with you. 
I thank you that we don't have to pray, but we get to pray. We get to spend time with you. And I pray that we would do that well. So Holy Spirit, we give ourselves back to you as we launch into this summer series and enjoy the journey that we're going on to know about your persistent power. In your holy name we say, Amen. 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 Amen.